0: Welcome to the Church Intention Podcast, powered by the King's University and Gateway Church. This is a place to have healthy conversations about areas of tension in the church and the intentions of the church. To dive deeper into the conversation and for more content, visit churchintention.com. Now let's join the King's University president,
1: Dr. John Chestine, for this episode of Church Intention.
0: Hey, welcome back to the Church Intention Podcast. Hello to our listeners. Thank you so much for listening. I say this every single time, but if you are enjoying this podcast, we let us know? Will you uh, post it on social media? Get the word out. uh, Text a link to it to your friends. Give us a review. When you review the podcast, it helps get it out there even more. So thanks for listening. If you're new to the podcast, if this is the first time you've listened to it, we call it the Church Intention podcast because uh, it is the intentions of the church. We're talking about the church intentions, but we're also talking about the church that's intention. And this is a healthy conversation. This is not a rant. This is a healthy conversation Uh, about the tensions that take place in church and how do we navigate those as leaders. Uh, My name is John Chasteen. I'm the president of the King's University, and we are just so excited today to have uh, an amazing guest. Uh, His name is Pastor Thomas Miller, and he is the executive ministry pastor at Gateway Church. He has been at Gateway Church for 19 years. And just does an amazing amount of work. I can't wait for you to meet this guy to get to know him better. He's got so much talent, so much leadership in him. And anybody, if you see a ministry or a church uh, the size of Gateway or any other ministry for that matter, um, you got to know that there are some amazing leaders off the stage that are making this place tick. And this guy is one of them. I can't wait for you to meet him. He actually has a background in civil engineering. Uh, if that tells you anything about how smart he is. And he went into ministry. He went to uh, CF&I and then came to Gateway, uh, was really built their worship department, started it from scratch, uh, later stepped in four years ago as an executive pastor. Now he's he's the executive ministry pastor. Thomas, I could talk all day, but... Thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having we're me. We're so excited Thank that you. you're here. Good to be here. And we're excited to learn from you. There's so many things I want to talk about. I'm scanning this page, trying to figure out what I want to start with. But I think what I want to start with first is really just let you talk and let you tell us about yourself. What? How did you get into the ministry? How did that happen? When did God speak? If Obviously, God gripped you <laughs> mm-hmm. like your Damascus yep. Road moment. Right. If you're a civil engineer, what got you to Gateway uh, how did you get into worship? Just kind of introduce yourself before I jump into this.
1: Okay. So this will probably date myself a little bit, <laughs> telling some of this story, <laughs> just some of the examples of saying, oh yeah, I went to a Carmen concert. <laughs> hey, I did too. So don't worry about it. <laughs> We're in good company. Yeah, in fact, I've told people, you know, every time Carmen came to town, I got saved again. <laughs> <laughs> the champion. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So uh, yeah, I was 11th grade in high school and you know, grew up in church and uh, loved going to church. But my relationship with God was really, you know, more nominal than it was anything. Every time Carmen came to town, like I said, or any time I went to church camp, you know, yeah. I'd I'd get saved. You burn every time. the tapes, burn your burn your non-Christian. Tapes. Yeah, you do not know that that's not just metaphor; that's reality. <laughs> yes. That actually happened because we grew up in the same area, kind of. Yeah, that's so. exactly right. So I got saved. Um, at, I got saved, you know, probably as a young child, but then kind of went my own way. In eleventh grade, I felt God's call in ministry. It was during a, a revival at my church, and just really felt God's calling. On my life to the ministry. I'd love to say that right after that, I kept pursuing God with all my might, but (laughs) it really didn't happen that way. It was the other way around. You know, I kept pursuing my own life, doing Mm -hmm. what I wanted to do, chasing after girls, you know, that whole thing. So then I went to college. So I decided to go to college to be a civil engineer. So I went to college for engineering, and for the first three years of my college life, really, I was still just living for myself, not living for the Lord, living for myself, pursuing the things that I wanted to pursue. But I remember my junior year of uh, of college. Uh, there were there were some ladies from my church that gave me a book. Uh, they probably knew better than I did. I was trying to hide my life, you know my, uh, you know just putting the facade of being a Christian when right. I went to church. But they right. could probably tell. So they handed me a book and said, "We think you'd really enjoy reading this book." So uh, I I got it, uh, took it back to my dorm room, threw it in my drawer, didn't mm-hmm. look at it for probably months. I mean like wow. months. And then finally one night I thought, "Eh," I didn't feel divinely inspired, not providential or anything. I just felt like I'm going to open that drawer and kind of check out that book. And the book was all about uh, establishing a relationship, a personal relationship with God. Mm. And so when I started reading it, uh, I just, in that moment in my dorm room, I just said, "Uh, if this is real, God, I want to invite you into this place with me right now, right in this moment. Mm. And I tangibly felt the presence of God in that room with me. And um it was it was as if I'd never experienced God before in my life wow. and I'd heard my, my whole life I'd heard have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I didn't understand what personal relationship with Jesus Christ was like. In fact, in Sunday school, they said invite Jesus into your heart and liter- I'm a literalist. So I literally thought there was this little <laughs> Jesus with his hands open because that's what awesome. you always see with a little white robe, you know him kind of stepping in your heart. but really what they were saying is invite Jesus into invading every yeah. single poor, Of you, every single part of you. And that's exactly what happened that day. So I, you know, I was a junior in college, Mm. continued to stay in school, but every day I couldn't wait to get back home to my dorm room because that's where I met God. So I'd go to class, I'd, I'd, you know, listen to the teachers, whatever, but I could not wait to get back to my dorm room. And I remember I would take my backpack and just, you know, dump it on the floor right when I'd get home and just get on my knees and just say, God, I invite you right back into this place in my life. I really need you here. So my life was radically changed. And during that time, I felt again, like I said, in 11th grade in high school, I felt God's call for ministry, but didn't really pursue it. My junior year of college, right when I received Christ as my Savior, like fully received Him and knew I wasn't going to turn back, I felt the call of God on my life again. Hmm. So I graduated from college uh, in engineering, and immediately uh, I was looking for ministry opportunities. Wow. So, what I did was, uh, I was dating a girl in Florida, yeah. and she was a PK. So, I just thought, oh, this must be God. You know, there's <laughs> something there. So, I was living in West Virginia. I was PKs boy- are trouble, man. Those are trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's a voice of experience. Yeah, it's and the gentlemen. voice of experience. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, I thought, this is a great opportunity. Maybe I can move to Florida. I was from West Virginia. So, the, his her dad, the senior pastor there, invited me to uh, come on staff there as a youth pastor. Mm. I was 21 years old, moved to Florida to be the youth pastor, and within a week, I realized two things. I realized number one, I didn't want to be with that girl anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. And number two, I realized I wasn't called to be a youth pastor. It just really wasn't me. Wow. You know, I. I enjoyed working with the kids, but something was wrong. I knew I'd miss God. Yep. So I worked there for a few months, moved back home to West Virginia, okay. and actually started pursuing engineering. So I worked in the engineering field for a few years, met my wife, married my wife. Uh, we were married a year, and then uh, supernaturally, the Lord kind of led us to go to Christ for the nations. I still felt God's call in my life. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was. I just knew that my my calling was to be someone who is a guide for other people to find Christ, to be a light for others. But I didn't have necessarily a call to be Uh, a missions pastor, or or a missionary, excuse me, a youth pastor, a senior pastor. I didn't know. I just knew I was called for ministry. Hmm. So I go to Christ for the Nations, and uh, my first year there, uh, little did I know when I moved there, I had no idea what a hotbed for worship
0: well, uh, yes. Christ of
1: the Nations was. A lot right. of songs from the 70s and 80s were written there, As the Deer, To Him Who Sits yeah. on the Throne, I Worship You, Almighty God. All these yeah. songs that you probably don't know. I do know those, <laughs> man. Come on, I'm not that young. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so a lot of those songs were written there, but uh, little did I know when I stepped into that environment, it's really more what was caught than taught. I mean, I learned a lot. I was taught a lot, but really what was caught there was the presence of God and wow. and really pursuing God's presence. And I remember God calling me to be a worship pastor during that time. So, so. before
0: that, had you never thought about worship. Were you a musician? I'm. You? Yeah,
1: I've been, I, yeah, it was kind of like a okay. side gig for me. I played gotcha. the piano. I started in fifth grade playing the piano. Gotcha. Uh, and in, in school, I'd, I was, you know, in the band and things like that. So and, singing the choir from time to time. But it was always kind of this side deal. It wasn't necessarily this uh, major thing that I wanted to do or were pursue. You wanna, were you ever in a rock band, Thomas? Be honest. <laughs> I was not okay, in a rock Okay, just making sure man, I can see you as a rocker. <laughs> Listen, never in my dreams, I was definitely in a rock band. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> we awesome. had 20 number one hits, but that was only in my dreams. <laughs> Those <was> are your dreams. <laughs> right. I love it. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. So so you got to Christ for the Nations. Uh, you started getting this call, this stir, this feeling. Mm-hmm. When, when and how did you bump into Pastor
1: Robert and yeah. Gateway? Tell us that kind of story. Okay. So I graduated from Christ for the Nations. They yep. invited me on staff there at Christ for the Nations to just kind of be somewhat of an associate worship pastor there, worship leader there. I did that for a few years. I felt like I I wanted to start the school of worship there. So I started the school of worship there in the year 2000. The same time I started the school of worship, uh, I got a call from a friend of mine mm-hmm. and he said, hey, there's this, this small church. It's yep. in South Lake, Texas that the pastor's looking for someone to come lead like a, a worship thing. And I told my friend, I'm so busy. I was so busy. I just didn't have time to do it. I didn't want to mm. really pursue anything like that. I can't do it right now. got mm. off the phone with him. Uh, a couple weeks later, I mean, I really kind of treated him bad, probably, to be honest <laughs> with you. I was just telling him, get off me. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm busy yeah. right now. It's a hard no. Yeah, it was a hard no. So I, a couple weeks later, he was one of my best friends. So I called him back and I said, listen, I, this is the way I said it. I said, if you want me to jump through that hoop mm. to go meet with that pastor, I'll do it for you but I'm really busy right now, but I'm sorry. I was so, you know, kind of curt with you last time I talked to you, but if you really want me to meet with him and jump through that hoop, I will. He said, I really want you to jump through that hoop. Wow. So uh, I'll go meet pastor Robert and Debbie. We, my wife and I go meet them at a restaurant and uh, during our conversation together, uh, just, just started feeling like the Lord was doing something. Wasn't expecting it at all, but kind of felt a connection. Yeah. Uh, At the end of that, lunch, I was walking to the car and I turned to my wife and I said, what just happened? Hmm. It was just so odd. You know, we were both working on staff at Christ for the Nations, really Trying to change the change the nations, yeah, you know, change doing, the world. Change the world, and and what's this with this one hundred member Podunk Church in South Lake? <laughs> right. This pastor here, right? Uh, so we agreed to come. I agreed to come lead worship for a couple times in December of two thousand.
0: So December of two thousand. Mm-hmm. I was about
1: to ask what kind of
0: time frame that was. Yeah, it was December two thousand. And, and
1: Gateway started in what month? April two thousand. April of two thousand. Yeah, April two thousand. Wow. So it was December two thousand. December second two thousand. I come and lead worship. Uh, led the whole thing during during worship. This is what's what's real interesting. It's a church of about 120 by then. Yeah. Uh, I was used to leading Worship of Christ for the Nations where you know you have 2,000 hands yeah. raising to the Lord and they're so <laughs> excited and pursuing God and all of that. You go to this church, a yeah. uh, pretty brand new church, yeah. and it was such a polar opposite for me. Wow. It was such a such a shift for me. So I come and lead worship. First song, I don't remember what the song was. When I was leading it, it was just almost dead. And wow. It was just almost Lifeless. It felt like to me, yeah. you know. And this guy halfway back had his arms folded, <laughs> just kind of staring at me. There's always Te- one of those. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They say it's like a what? What in Texas they say he was staring at me like a cow looking at a new gate. The new gate. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one. So he was looking at me, but he he looked like a cow looking at a new gate that he wasn't too happy with. Yeah. He was like, "Who is this guy? and What's he doing?" Kind of wanted to go back there and punch him in the face. On. It. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But anyway, during <laughs> worship, we just kept kept kind of just pushing in and leading worship and pursuing God and through the whole thing, honestly, it was a little discouraging because yeah. all these people weren't really pursuing God. But I yeah. look over, and there's Pastor Robert on the front row, and he's on his knees. Wow, his arms raised up high in the wow. air, and he's just worshiping the Lord with all his might. And I remember thinking to myself, if that is his heart, yep, and he truly is the worship pastor of the church. Yep, I mean, the senior pastor is the is the whatever pastor of any department of the church?
0: We had the same conversation with Mark, Pastor Mark Harris. He was on um, early on another episode, and he said the exact same thing. He mm-hmm. said, "He said, you know, the the senior pastor is the worship leader." And and he was t- telling a story about how he went to a different church. But I, I I said that I said, you know, every time I'm at Gateway and I look over, Pastor Roberts is going to come in. He's mm-hmm. going to get on his knees. He's going to worship, and you see that culture get become viral. Yeah. So you got to see that really happen because yeah. early
1: on. That wasn't the case. It was not. Wow. No. So, so I saw him, and I thought, if, if that's his heart, I know that this culture can change. Wow. The Lord hadn't spoken to me to me for sure to come to Gateway. Uh, so I still wasn't sure if I was going to do it. After the service was over, uh, uh, I can't remember was this. I think it was the second week. So after the second week, I come and lead worship the second week. That's all I committed to was leading two times. Uh, at the end of the second week, uh, after the service was over, uh, Pastor Robert comes up to me and he says, "The Lord has spoken to me." Wow. And so I said, "Okay." you know, what is it? And he said, the Lord told me you're the worship pastor for Gateway. My response, hopefully it was kinder than this, but my response was, well, that's great. God hasn't spoken to me yet. (laughs) Uh, And he hadn't, I hadn't heard the Lord yet. Uh, so, but I was probably saying, well, well, that's great, but I need to pray about it. And I, you know, at working at Christ of the Nations and worship, a lot of pastors would, would contact me or contact members uh, of the staff there in worship and say, Hey, uh, I need a worship pastor. I'd love for you to be the worship pastor. I yes. even had some say, God told me you're supposed to be the worship right. pastor. So you'd heard it before. I'd heard it many times yeah. before. I mean we all have heard yeah, things absolutely. like that. So I just thought I need to I need to hear the Lord myself. Yep. So that was December 9th. So I told him, I said, let me pray about it during the holidays. I'll get back with you in the new year. He said, Great, let's do that. So during the holidays, my wife and I, we go back to West Virginia for the holidays where we're where we're from. Mm-hmm. Uh one morning she got out of bed uh and I was in bed just by myself. Uh, door was closed, and the Lord said, pray about gateway right now. Wow. And so I prayed about it. and when I prayed about, it, I'm not a man that gets a lot of visions, but what I saw, I saw this picture, you know, we call it vision, that sounds like more of a spooky term, but sure, it's really sure. this word picture yeah. or, or or a picture in your mind. I saw these two doors opening up. they were like French uh, they were like French doors. That was kind of the the shape of them. these two doors opening up and a light shining through the middle. And the Lord said, this is the way. Uh, wow. this is gateway, walk that direction. So I, I get excited because I hear wow. the, hear God's voice. Once I hear God's voice, I'm good. Yeah, you know, before absolutely. that I was in, in tension. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, but now I'm good. Yeah. So I, I go back to to Texas, meet with Pastor Robert. Just he and I were meeting and I say, Well, the Lord has spoken to me and he said, What's what's the Lord say? I said, Well, I need to tell you something. I I, I had to preface it by saying, I'm not, I'm not crazy. I'm not, I'm not weird. I'm not weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is the famous last words of everything
1: before someone talks to a pastor. And it's always hey, weird. I'm not weird. And it's all about weird. to be weird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whatever the disclaimer is, <laughs> yeah. it's exactly what yeah. it is. I don't mean to be rude, but, <laughs> but I'm going to be rude. But I'm, I'm going to be rude. Yeah. So anyway, so I tell him, I, I say, I, I had this vision and I, I told him just what I told you. I was lying yeah. in bed and the Lord, you know, gave me these two doors opening up and a light shining through the middle. While I'm telling him this, he gets this grin on his face. And he looks at me, you know, kind of turns his head sideways and just grins at me. And I thought he's preoccupied by something I'm saying. So I said, "What what is it?" He said, "Well, I want to tell you. I'm glad the Lord spoke to him. Real excited about you coming to Gateway. But I need to tell you while you were gone, we designed our logo at Gateway Church." I've seen that logo. And the logo is two doors opening up and a light shining through the middle. Wow. Uh, and that's what it was. I looked at the lo- I mean, we've iterated that logo a few times since then, but yeah. that first logo from back then, and when he showed it to me that weekend when I came and led worship or whenever the next time I led worship was, hmm. and when he showed it to me, I thought, that is exactly it. I had no idea. I had never seen that logo in my life Wow! because they designed it while I was gone. So wow. anyway, so the Lord spoke clearly to me. So in January of 01, from then on, I've been full on with Gateway.
0: So how many years were you over worship?
1: At well, you kind of take you still are, yeah. But I mean, like directly the, on the stage, worship the worship pastor, yeah. From from, if you consider December two thousand or January of two thousand one, all yeah. the way till uh, I continued to be the primary until the summer of two thousand sixteen. Sixteen, yeah. Two thousand fifteen, I stepped into my new role now, but I continued to do both at the same time until the summer of two thousand sixteen. And, and we're talking albums, we're talking yeah. the team, the expansion,
0: the growth, the campuses, everything. You were front and center that that guy yeah right yeah. and so i, I kind of want to jump into to this first question that i want to ask you and because i think this is something that a lot of pastors or leaders find themselves because you you know you find yourself serving the lord in a certain role for several years and then there always comes that point um i shouldn't say always but a lot of times that point where the lord makes a little shift you know that this is what you've been doing, and this is now what I'm calling mm. you to do. You mm. know, this this shift in, in calling. Mm. And so you go from being this front and center. Everybody knows Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Thomas, Pastor Thomas. We all know Thomas. He yeah. leads us into the presence of God. Yes, he's leading campuses and the expansion and the albums and yes and yes and yes. And then all of a sudden, you shift from going, okay— Pastor Thomas, yes, you're still gonna be on stage sometimes. Yes, you're still gonna be, be needed and known. Mm-hmm. But we need you to kind of go behind the scenes yeah. and step off the stage. Mm-hmm. And now the spotlight's not on you, Thomas. Mm-hmm. And we need you to step into this executive pastor role. Walk us through that and and how did that feel? How did you process that? Yeah. Because we're human. Yeah. We're, we're so human. Mm-hmm. And whenever you know, whether you're preaching, whether you're doing stage time, whether you're just oversight, whether you're the worship leader. There's something about being on the stage and walking through a lobby and saying, I know that guy. I mm-hmm. recognize that guy. As, mm-hmm. as shallow and as fleshly as that is, mm-hmm. how did you walk through that of of humbling yourself to lead in a different capacity? Yeah,
1: yeah well, I think there's a couple of things for me. Um, it, it, I'd like to share the struggle, too, because there Please. is struggle along with that. But two things that really anchored me to where I felt great about stepping into the role I've stepped into now. Because yep. you're right. What was a public role? What I'm in now is not such a public role. Yeah. Uh, and and the two things are number one was when the Lord originally called me, uh, or what He had called me to. Uh, actually, uh, not the call to ministry, but the call to who I was called to be, like know. what my purpose was. Uh, when I was, uh, I, like I said, I gave my life to the Lord my junior year of college, and I was really pursuing God with all my might. So that that year I turned 21. So on my 21, uh, my 21st birthday, the night before, I was it was like midnight, right when I was turning 21. I'd never heard anybody say that the Lord asked him this, but the Lord asked me, and I thought I was probably crazy, but I knew the Lord had asked me. He said, what do you want for your birthday Hmm. on my 21st birthday? Um, And I thought about it for a while because I thought, God asked me what I wanted for my birthday. I know that sounds crazy. You know, oh, people awesome. listen to this podcast. Going oh, like, I love love
0: visions. Some people are <laughs> like at midnight on my 21st birthday, I was not talking to God. I was in a bar, but this yeah. is awesome. Go with it.
1: So, so that's what, it's, uh, this is important to me for what I stepped into oh, I love now. It. But, uh, so the Lord asked me, what do you want for your birthday? And I thought about it for a while. And, um, so I finally just said this, I said, God, I, I want, and with all my might, this is how I felt. Yeah. Um, I want that my life would be that you would have created me so that I can be a light for others to find you, so right. that I can be just a guide for others, that my existence, that's why I'm here. Wow. And um, God answered me quickly. Yeah. And he said to me, I heard that prayer uh, well before you were ever born. Wow. And I answered that prayer, and that's why you're here. Wow. Uh, and just as a little parenthetical side story, um, I was not a planned child. Yep. And my parents were very much protecting themselves from that, wow. and still I came through. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just stubborn as you are. That's right. So I, I go back to that to know that God wow. has said that's your purpose, is to be a light, to be a guide, to be someone that others can find me. So I've never felt like being a worship leader is my purpose. That's so good. I felt like worship leader was a calling in my life for maybe a season in my life. That season was a long time. You know, yeah. if you had Christ for the Nations plus here at uh, Gateway, it yeah. was 20 years of my life. Yeah, uh, the led led worship. So it was a long season, but I never felt like it was my purpose. So, so I never hung my purpose on that.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a it's an identity thing. What do you find your identity in? That's right. And so tell us about the struggle of that, because yes, it's it, there's a struggle in all of it. It's it's yeah. this daily renewal, transforming my mind every day, yeah. renewing my mind. Yeah. So what were some of the struggles in, in some of that process?
1: Uh, uh, struggles in shifting from shifting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Uh, I'll, I'm just going to tell you one more thing, please, I'll tell please, you the struggles please, please, if I can. Yeah. So the other thing that kind of anchored me. So the number one anchor was that for me. The other anchor was in the summer of 2014, uh, the Lord spoke clearly to me again. So if you notice, both things are related to God speaking clearly. Right. So God spoke to me clearly, and He said to me, significant change is coming, hmm. uh, as significant, and I I was listening. The Lord said, as significant as when you left Christ from the nations to come to Gateway. Wow. And I thought by Him saying that, He was saying He was shifting me to another. Yep. church or ministry. Yep. And so my immediate response to him, this was again, the summer of 2014, my immediate response to him was, but Lord, I don't want to leave Gateway. Yep. And then he, he answered in response and you're not leaving Gateway. <laughs> so, <laughs> awesome. uh, Isn't that awesome? so I actually set Love up that. a meeting with Pastor Robert and I told him what the Lord said to me. Uh, and these are, these are some of these few moments in your life that you know, that you know, that you heard the Lord. Absolutely. It's a clear, clear, clear word. So I'm telling this, this is what the Lord said. I don't have an answer for it, Robert. I'm just telling you, this is kind of what I feel. So he said, well, let's process this together and let's see what the Lord does. So it was almost a year to the day from that moment uh, to where circumstances would have it that were even beyond me or Pastor Robert to where I'd step into this role. Wow. So the reason for that, so when this came about and whenever this was uh, came to me and said, hey, would you step into this role? The Lord said to me clearly, this is that. This is what I was telling you about. So do it. So I easily stepped into that role. Now, I easily stepped into it, but the struggle on the backside, walking, right. walking it out, I think uh, I continue to do worship for the next year, so I still had a platform ministry, public mm-hmm. platform ministry. Um, but at the same time, I, w- I was kind of thinking, i got to let one of these go because I'm so exhausted. I'm doing both right now.
0: I can't imagine. Uh, and
1: yeah. so uh, I, I understood that if I let this go, the worship thing, which has been a part of my life for 20 years, that I would not be doing that anymore uh, and that there wouldn't be such a public platform. It would be more of a private uh, ministry of what I'm doing. Um, I think part of the struggle with that ha- it has been for me more so, am I still, the question I still ask at times, yeah. probably the struggle even to this day, yeah. am I still influencing to the extent that I was influencing back right. four years ago, right. you know, when I was on the platform more, yep. uh, the, the accolades and the, and the praise and all of that, honestly, it it feels good because words of encouragement are helpful, Sure. but I was always, even in my heart, I was always careful to, um, Guard, yeah. to guard it. In fact, one of my favorite things to do, and I I used to keep this very, very private between me and God. I wouldn't tell it to anybody because it was such a private thing between me and God, but I, I've shared it a few times now because I feel like the Lord's given me the ability to share it and give me the permission to, is that when people would compliment me from leading worship or doing whatever, any type of ministry, uh, even to this day when somebody compliments me, one of my favorite things to do, if probably my favorite act I ever get to do, is that at the end of that day, I love to kneel by my bed. Hmm. And I love to say to God, Lord, you, you and I both know those words. Wow. They're really to you, they're not to me. That's so, so good. any compliment that I receive today, I lift it to you and I give it to you because it's not mine. That's really uh, good. I used to say, oh, it was the Lord, it was, you know, and, and, you know, you've heard people say it's the Lord and you're like, well, it's not that good, but, <laughs> yeah, but in, it's, so good. <laughs> or it's all God. But, but so I used to, then I finally felt freedom to say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I would take those and I would bundle those up. Them. And at the end of the day, I would I just I think lift that's them so good.
0: And I think there's pastors out there that need to receive that mm-hmm. and, and and act on that mm-hmm. because it is the temptation of every, of every pastor to, before too long, you start believing your own, you know, believing yeah. your own hype. Yeah. So I think that's such a, a healthy way to 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 process through that. So one thing I, I do know about you, um, Thomas, is that you're uh, and you're gonna. I'm gonna say these things so you don't have to. You're ridiculously talented. Um, uh, I don't I don't know music very well, but I know people who do, and I've been told you're one of the best, most talented piano players on the face of the earth. Well, thank you. Classically trained. I mean, you can sit down and play anything eloquently, beautifully. You know, I know that you're crazy creative, ultra creative, but I also know that you're ultra administrative. Like it's, it's a, it's a rare breed. Okay. And so, um, from, from stage time to even, even just doing the transition, I mean, I've never seen anybody do it better coming out of worship, leading into a sermon, the transition guy, the, the worship leader, the piano player, the the singer, like you're you're even good at grammar. You do Thomas, you're just good (laughs) at a lot of stuff. So here's my question. Here's my question. So now you've stepped into this role where you're an executive pastor and you're leading teams. How do you delegate stuff to people that in your mind you're thinking, I could just do this better if I just did it Mm -hmm. myself? And I think that's a struggle for a lot of leaders is we don't end up delegating authority and we end up taking on too much and wearing ourselves out because we just say, well, I can do it faster and better if I just do it myself. Well, you may be right. So, but but everyone knows we got to delegate authority and empower people. Yeah. So, how do you process through that? How do you empower people who may not be the best? They yeah. may not be as good. Yeah. But they but they have to
1: learn. They have to be developed. And so, how do you do some of those things? Uh, I appreciate the question. It's actually been a big struggle of mine. Wow. Uh, a lot of times where I think, well, just give it to me. I can take care of it. I'll get it done quicker, and it'll be okay. Yep. And probably a lot of us feel that way. High-level leaders, they're going to feel that way. They're yeah. going to feel like, I can just take it. I can do it. It's faster. It's faster. And more efficient. That's right. More efficient. But burns ourselves out a lot quicker, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Um, so I think I think for me, it has been a struggle where I think um, I, I probably can do this better. Uh, the, the other thing, though, is that, that oftentimes it's based in perfectionism. You're right. And the perfectionism is, uh, I, I can do it and I know people will like it. It'll be good. If you do it, it may not be perfect. I need it to be perfect. You know, that so kind of good. thing. And I know, I know I've battled with perfectionism a lot. Yeah. And perfectionism and excellence, you know, they there uh there are a lot of things we can say that are different from each other. Yep. But at the core of either one of those, it truly is the motivation. Perfectionism will always, always, always be based in fear. Always. So good. Fear of man, fear of failure, fear of looking silly, whatever yep. it may be. Yep. Perfectionism. I mean, if you if you work for somebody who's a perfectionist or if, if you are a perfectionist, I just want to say watch out yep. because you're going to hurt a lot of people around you because what you're doing is based out of fear. So good. And so excellence though, really excellence, the very difference between the two at the core, perfectionism based out of fear. Excellence is based out of love. Mm. Always based out of love. In fact, Paul, first Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, 12 and 14 are about the spiritual gifts. First uh, Corinthians 13 is about the love chapter. Oh, Obviously yeah. we know the love chapter, but at the end of chapter 12, what's crazy. What I love about it is at the very end of chapter 12, after Paul had been talking about all the gifts, this is how you use this gift. And he was trying to bring order into the Corinthian church. Mm-hmm. This is how you use this gift. This is how this gift is used. This is how this gift is used. He concludes chapter 12 by saying this, and now I show you a more excellent, excellent way. way. He uses the word excellent. Hmm. And then he talks about love. Hmm. So excellence is based in love. That's good. Excellence is ba- always based in love. It's like, I want to I do this because I love what I do. And so... Part of me always wanting to take it from others, you know, instead of empowering others to do it, has been based. I, I look at it and I think that's based in fear. Wow. That's based in perfectionism. But I think, no, I want it to be excellent. And excellence is always going to be done in a group of people. It's never going to be done by myself. In fact, I want to say if your vision for ministry includes you and you only, your vision is way too small yeah. because you will always do things with others. Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. That's where God commands a blessing. So is it almost like. Um you
0: know, as a father or a mother, you—usually um, fathers in this situation—but you're, you know. So let's say, you know, you're you were a football player back in high school, and your son becomes a football player, and, mm-hmm. and you end up being this hard-pressed father that's that's just challenging and challenging and challenging your child. But really, it's it's less about you wanting them to succeed, and you're worried about that's that right. they're going to be a, po- a reflection on you that's right. as a father. That's right. And it's it's fear-based. So so do we do that as leaders, where you know this perfectionism? It's, it's not that we're afraid that they're going to fail even. Maybe it's afraid that their failure is going to reflect that's on exactly me as right. a leader as a yeah, failure.
1: That's right. Right?
0: Yeah. So how do we overcome that? Like, how are some practical ways? If, if these are things that we all struggle with, and you, you've you even said yourself, this is a, something that I'm constantly— mm-hmm. like, what are some things you do to kind of overpower that, to, to, as Paul would say, take that thought captive yeah. and make it obedient to Christ? Yeah. Is there any practical things you do in those scenarios oh, yeah. or uh, processes? Or is it just—it ca- really may just boil down to, I'm just going to capture that thought. Uh, Or I'm going to have people around me that are honest with
1: me. Yeah. Uh, Some of those tools are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Very good. Yeah. So it's probably not a a, uh, here's steps one through four as much as some of the things I got to remind myself of. Yeah. Which is number one, it's not about me. It's good. And so often, and everybody will say, yeah, it's not about me. Not about me. People in ministry will say, yeah, it's not about me. But so often, there are these weeds that creep up in our heart that just kind of pop up overnight. We see them. We may not see them actually. That's uh, true. But there are these weeds in our heart that that maybe are it's ambition. You know, it's wanting to, wanting to kind of still look good in front of everybody, or maybe wanting to succeed to a further place, wanting to be more. Yeah. Uh, and the only ambition that's mentioned in the scripture is selfish ambition. James three sixteen. Yep. And it says where there's selfish ambition, there's every evil practice. Wow. Uh, disorder and every evil practice. And every in the original Greek means. Every. Every. <laughs> it's every. <laughs> it's it's not every. a trick question. Yeah. yeah. So I've got to remember so often because I I see these weeds in my heart sometimes. And I I feel like, God, look at look at me. I'm a mess still. I'm still trying to do this about me. And so often in ministry, we think once we enter into ministry, when, I've been in ministry 20 years or whatever, I've been in ministry 30 years that will not deal with these basic things in our heart that just says, It is kind of about me. Yeah. Sometimes we think, Yeah, it is kind of about me. I am ambitious in this area, or maybe I'm envious in this area because somebody else is succeeding and I'm not, or I don't want to look bad in front of somebody else. I I just have to remind myself all the time, it really isn't about you, Thomas. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. I mean, I kind of have to slap myself around in a quiet place. You know, allow the Lord to do some slapping for me Don't do it in your office loudly. (laughs) People are going to think you're crazy. You're beating yourself up. (laughs) That's (laughs) right. Exactly. So, I mean, some of it is that, is just reminding myself as much as, yeah, I've given, I can look at my life from 30,000 feet and say, no, 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 it's about God. I've given my life to God. But if I look down into the tiny parts of my heart, I realize, oh yeah, there's some things that's about God plus a little bit of me, yeah, or maybe a lot about me sometimes. It's really good. So I mentioned
0: earlier that you were, you know, you're you you have a really creative mind, both when it comes to to worship, when it comes to product any sort of production, and mini- even ministry. You're super uh, creative, which is a gift, but you're also really organized and administrative, which is a almost a, a whole other set of giftings. And I've been in the ministry long enough to know that usually that is so rare because usually you get an ultra creative yeah. that has just a bunch of ideas, but but nothing ever really comes of it. Yeah. We, all, we all know that guy who always has the idea but never wants to do any work. They just want to bring <laughs> ideas. But then you also have the people who who are so organized and administrative that they can't have an original thought anywhere. And so you have this this really unique ability to do both. It's this idea. It's this thing where it's there's there's an idea and an execution. Mm -hmm. Uh, Usually you you get the idea or the execution. My question to you is it's such a unique gifting. And I know just a small handful of people who have this gift. Um, Have you always had that gift gifting or do you feel like you were, you started as creative and you disciplined yourself into administrative Mm -hmm. or did you, have you always had the administrative gift and you've just tried to really carve out space to be creative? Yeah have you or maybe you're like I don't know it's just who I am. Yeah. Maybe there's nothing to it but are there e- either of those sides that you've had to really discipline yourself in yeah. or do you really feel like that's just a natural
1: gift? I think the one I had to discipline myself in the most is actually the creative side because I'm I, naturally I kind of lean more towards the left brain like gotcha. more of the here's the system, here's the process. Huh. Here's how we do it. Uh and then uh stepping into worship, you know, I, like I said I was an engineer before I was it's a true. worship leader. And those things are real related to me. I look at music like math to me most of the time. I don't I mean, obviously I love the creativity part of it too, but it's the it's the art mixed with the science that really wow. uh, I appreciate the most about music. Wow. Uh, but the creative side, it, I have to discipline myself to do that. Uh, probably the most. Some people are just naturally creative to an extent where uh, this administrative side wouldn't even be present. You wouldn't even see it. Yep. I'm not that. Uh, so I I probably have had to lean more on being creative and working harder at being creative than I have administrative.
0: That's interesting. So you've, you've always kind of, but you've always sensed both giftings at work. That's not something yeah. that, okay. Yeah. So one, one, another thing I know about you, Thomas, that I've seen is nothing is impossible with you. It seems like, mm. like, I don't know. Anytime a problem is, is put in front of you, yeah. it's, it's not a, it's, it's usually not a, if it's a, how let's mm. just, let's just do it. Let's yeah. get it done. Um, And I guess I'm, I'm interested in that element of you as a leader is that, Do you feel like that's something you've disciplined yourself in, or again, is this how you were raised? Like what? Because we all meet leaders who are optimistic, you know. Yeah. Some some are idealists. Some are you know from pessimistic, optimistic. Yeah. Uh, Have you noticed that in you? Like I don't know. You you and I don't know each other that well. I've been able to watch Pastor Thomas from afar, and I'm just kind of picking up some things I've noticed. Yeah. And you just have that about you. Like, you just, mm-hmm. let's, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's always good for a leader to have a few guys like that on their team. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of why Gateway has had some of the success that it's had. Yes, there's good stewards. Yes, mm-hmm. they give. And that there are mm-hmm. all these blessings and, and all these amazing things. But, but, but there's people on the team who are just go-getters that yeah. pull up the bootstraps and get it done. Yeah. Uh, what do you think has built that in you?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, I think it was, a, it was something I wasn't aware of for several years uh, until it was kind of pointed out to me by a group of people, you know, we, we were kind of going around the room as leaders saying, what do we like the most about each other? You know, that kind of conversation. And many people said that about me, that full of energy and full of yes and positive and that kind of thing. And it was really like, Oh really? Is that me? Is that who I didn't realize that's who I was? I really didn't understand that. But I think, you know, I, uh, I don't even know how to spiritualize it. Honestly, it's just probably my personality more than anything. But I do know that you know we were talking before we we taped here that yeah. uh, about our strengths. You know, yep. our, uh, the strengths finder. Yep. My number two strengths is uh, my number two strength is competition. Ah, and after yeah. it became competition, I was upset because it went number one. <laughs> I wanted it to be number. I'm kidding. Yeah, I you did. asked
0: me if my, you asked me if I was competition in the top five, and I said, uh I'm not real sure. And you said, Oh, if
1: it's, if you don't know, then you're not competitive. <laughs> That's right. And it's not your top five. That's right. You know, I was kidding. But anyway, so I think, you know, when I was learning about what that means, I, I remember the a strengths coach was telling telling us, okay, competition, what that says for you is this is that you're able to look at a situation and you can say, Can we win in this or are we not going to be able to win in this? Yep. And I know that even before, like when we're pre-planning something, uh, like an event or whether it be a ministry initiative that want to do as a, as a church. I'm thinking of it, and I didn't know I was thinking this, but it's true, I do. I think, can we win at this? If there's no way to win, how do we change this factor, this factor, and this factor so we can win, so that when we do step out, I'm absolutely positive about it. And, I mean, I fully feel we can do it, because I feel like I can look at the situation and say we can win at it. That's good. So, I always like, when I meet people, I like to, I'm
0: weird, y'all, I'm I'm weird. (laughs) When I meet people, I like to kind of pick a character in the Bible that I think they're like, Mm. I don't know, I, I like to do that, and obviously I'm not. Always right, but I like to do that, and and I have who I think you are, Thomas. Okay, who's so it? You ready? Mephibosheth. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know. Just no, random character. No, so I have a really weird one. You'd never guess this a million years. The guy that I think of when I think of Thomas is doesn't even have a name in the Bible. When when Jesus sent his disciples on uh, to get the donkey, untie the donkey, bring the donkey back, my mind goes to the guy who owned the donkey. Mm. How did the, why did this person just let? random strangers come up and take, take his donkey away. Mm. And so it's like he, they were willing to give up something that belonged to them to carry Jesus, mm. to carry the message. Mm. So, so really he made, he, he made a gift that day. Mm. That guy's gift made a way. Yes. And, and through your life, it seems like you've had this pattern of being that guy. Mm. It's, you, God, use whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I, it belongs to me. Yeah. I was going to be a civil engineer, but you know what, God, I don't. I don't need that. Mm-hmm. Your gift made away. Mm-hmm. You, you were the stage guy. You were the presence guy. You were everyone knew. You know what, God, I, I don't need that. Take it and your gift made away. And so I, I love that about you, oh, and I think it's you. an it's an amazing trait, and it's it's why God has blessed you. It's why God's accelerated you. And so, kind of in closing, what I would like for you to do, I kind of end every podcast like this, is I want you to. To lean into the mic and and I want you to encourage someone out there who may be in a similar situation that you've walked through. Where one thing I see about every time every time you say anything, it always goes back to the Lord spoke, and so I think that's obvious in an element of it. But there's somebody out there who's being faced with a situation. They're sensing something. They're they're either a a, a worship leader or a kids pastor or a youth pastor or what whatever they're doing. Care pastor. And they're starting to sense this, okay, God's stirring, God's changing, God's shifting. And maybe it's going from a a, a spotlight stage to off stage. Maybe they're going to step into an executive pastor mm-hmm. role. Like, help them process this. What would you say to them? What yeah. would you say to the old you? What would you say to, the, to these people that are
1: that are walking something out? Yeah, that's great. I think that transition is always difficult for anybody. I mean, even in practical uh, application, moving homes, moving cities, moving whatever, it's, it's having a baby, you know uh new marriage even going through divorce whatever it is right. transition is always difficult and um uh for me it's very difficult i'm a very root, routine kind of guy i really like having a routine and sticking to it yep um and so when change comes uh it's exciting but at the same time it's it's nerve-wracking and i would say if the lord is stirring somebody uh, uh for change first of all i would just i would want a confirmation from the lord that it is him that's the one that's speaking oftentimes we feel like this negative situation that we're in, we're just trying to escape that. And if we try to escape that, then that's really the Lord's going to get us on the other side. But he never promised that every day was going to be awesome. That's good. Uh, he never promised that every day in ministry would be awesome. And I, I guarantee my vision of what ministry was going to be like before I entered into ministry is so different hmm. than what it is today. Wow. Uh, now, first of all, it's, it's a lot harder. But secondly, it's a lot better. It's both at the same time. That's really good. Uh, and and I would say that just because you're going through a tough situation doesn't necessarily mean that the Lord wants you out of that tough situation. I've been through tough situations that I couldn't wait to get out of. And then on the other side, I remember one one thing in particular, the Lord, I mentioned this earlier about selfish ambition. Yep. One thing in particular, the Lord rooted that out of me so deeply, mm-hmm. like in a deep surgical sense, mm-hmm. that I went through year a few years of very much hard ministry situations Hmm. and i remember when i got on the other side of that the lord showed me the reason why you're handling it the way you are yeah things are rough on the outside but the reason why you're handling it the way you are is because of ambition he told me that word ambition wow and um and when he did that in my heart i knew that he used that season as hard as it was and maybe not all of it was ordained by god yeah or god god didn't cause it all to happen but he that he used that situation to allow me on the other side to be more like what he wants me to be, to be a better version of myself than yeah. what I was. Yeah. And I remember on the other side of that, I thought to myself, it took me a while. I'll be honest with you. It took me a while. But I remember now, I can even say now, I look back on that season and I can say I would not trade that season for anything in the world. Wow. You couldn't give me enough money to change change that season for me. Wow. Because what I've learned out of that season, how I've learned more about God and his His faithfulness to me and and the fact is, is that uh, there were things in my life that absolutely needed to change. And so I'm not sure uh, if I'm completely answering your question. No, you but, are. But I would say that if somebody feels the season. Yeah. yeah if, whatever they're going that's through. That's right. If people feel like there's transition, first of all, make sure it's the Lord. Because if it's not, allow the Lord to do that season in your heart. Because yeah. I'm telling you, you'll be better on the other side. Truly. Really and good. and then for me, I've just always um, wanted Matthew 4.4, 4, in my life, which is, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Mm-hmm. I want everything to be done by the Lord speaking to me. And so sometimes we feel like, God, did you really speak? I'm not sure. Did you do it? Just ask God for a confirmation somehow, yeah. whether it be a confirming scripture. You know, the Lord puts a scripture in your heart or whether it be actually someone giving you a confirmation of some sort, whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, don't let, move till you know. Don't move till you know. And yeah. once you know, then you can move with confidence, full of confidence, yeah. knowing that God God's changing you into the new season. That's good. So
0: so let's close with this. Um, man, you're a busy dude. You run every single ministry at Gateway comes under your umbrella. What do you do to have fun, man? What do you do to rest? What do you yeah. do? How do you unwind? And We'll close with that.
1: Okay. Yeah, I love to run. Uh, love, Which makes you crazy, but go ahead. <laughs> I like to put myself in pain for fun. It's so much yeah. fun. Well, I didn't pick it up till I was forty. I, I, <laughs> I finally realized at forty I needed. I, I was going through a midlife crisis, so I picked <laughs> up running. It's uh, cheaper than a Corvette. It's I cheap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's cheaper than a Corvette. Just running shoes. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I start. I, I love to run. I love to go to the gym. Those are the kind of things that are stress relieves uh, relievers for me. Yeah. Because ministry is is messy. It is. It's always going to be messy because it it's people yep. and it's dealing with the, the very highs and the very lows of people's lives. There's not, it's not usually this middle of the road, like, yeah, everything's, everything's okay. Yep. It's either a really exciting moment for someone's life that you're rejoicing with them yep. or a very low season that a family is going through or a person's going yep. through and you're in the middle of it. So I ha- I have to pull away. And when I pull away, I go run and I love getting those endorphins up and, yep. and feeling like I can conquer the day again. That's, That's what really I love awesome. to do.
0: So, so Thomas, if people want to, follow you what's the best way they can um, I, let me give out your personal cell number i always do that, <laughs> do that. i always i always joke uh, about that
1: but instagram what's the yeah, best way to can kind of connect with you all of my social handles are thomas gateway thomas one word gateway. thomas gateway awesome man yeah. thank you for joining Thanks us for you're having so
0: me. Aw- you're such an amazing guy thank you for taking the time uh, to be on this podcast hey listeners thank you so much for listening again come on share this get it to your friends help us get the word out love you guys so much you're doing an amazing work Uh, Keep plowing ground for the kingdom. We love you guys so much. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Church Intention podcast. For more information, visit churchintention.com. The King's University is an accredited, spirit-empowered evangelical university in Southlake, Texas. To learn more, visit tku.edu.